When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golic. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to yet another edition of Golic and Smetty. I am Mike Golic Sr. She is Jess Smetana. And we got a lot to get into. The hockey players are going great right now. We got a a new presumptive number one pick who looks like he's 10 years old to talk about in hockey. we got NBA playoffs going on, F1 going on. But, Jess, you and I both are, are – I'm in my hometown house right now. You are an F1 freaky fan who lives in Miami, and they just had the, mm-hmm. the Grand Prix there, and you weren't there uh, no. and not happy about it. So we got a bit to talk about before we even get to sports. I'm hoping you like my, my backdrop. I do. Okay. Here. Yeah. Can you can you tell us what these pictures are? It looks like you and Bob so on the I Notre am, Dame sideline right there. I am at my home, to, my, my house where I grew up. I'm visiting my mom, who's 92 and doing great. She, uh, she's Bless. upstairs hanging out. So I'm here for a few days, and we have these posters on the wall, and we made these for our parents from regular pictures. There's one picture of my brother Bob in like a linebacker stance, and then next to that is me at Notre Dame. And then next to that is me and my brother Greg at Notre Dame. And then next to that is me oh. from the Eagles um, um, uh, media guide uh, in there as well. And on the other side, I've got like Jerry West, uh, uh, Larry Zonka, Terry Bradshaw, Daryl LaMonica, wow. all names you probably don't know because they're all too well, old. Well, Terry Bradshaw is the background yeah. on my cell phone, Mike. Oh, see, so. that's right. You would know, Terry. What, what, and what I'm wearing my Yins t-shirt right now. Of course you are. On hey, behalf listen, of the Steelers draft that I'm still glowing in. I did I did, did more than a few uh, Pittsburgh to college uh, games there, and we'll get Peranti Brothers brought up to the booth and would mm. absolutely love that. But, yeah, love so I'm in, I'm in my, my hometown basement. And it's amazing, Jess, and, and, and I'm nobody else from my family is here. And that's good because there is nothing, I think, worse than somebody, in this case me, going through all, like downstairs, my parents, and we have plaques, trophies, medals from when we were all growing up, boxes of articles and such. And every now and then it's fun to go through. But don't go through it when your family's there. Like if my wife Chris or Mike or Jake or Sydney were here, they would be destroying me for reliving the day, right? But I can do yeah. it in peace where I can Aww, just kind of reminisce nice. a little bit. Yeah, it is nice because yeah. my family would mock the living hell out of me for it. And, and I get it. Uh, but it's kind of nice just to kind of go through stuff. And and look at stuff and kind of kind of relive the day as they say the a little glory bit. Glory so, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of fun. I, I I've kind of been enjoying that. I'm that's here. nice. No, that is nice. When when we've done that in the past with my dad, he was not a college football player at Notre Dame, but he was a high school bowling team member. Um, and so yes, a lot of a lot of ridicule uh, was had. So 
I know what you mean. I, I haven't lived in the same place for more than like a year since college, pretty much. So I haven't been able to accumulate that much random stuff. But I will tell you one thing. I will never get rid of the plaque that I won for being closest to the tee at the Golick Family Foundation golf outing last summer. So I, I can relate to you in that sense. Yeah, Jess. I mean, listen, that that's an award that you better hang on to forever. And you got to you have to defend that title now. Obviously, we're getting ready with uh, another Golic Subpar Classic, June 25th and 26th at Notre Dame. We're, we're getting that all squared away, so looking forward to it. But it's been kind of neat. It is every now and then. And now I'm way older than you, so I don't know how nostalgic you get for things that were really just a few years ago for you as opposed to decades <laughs> I do. ago for I'm me. like I'm an I'm a little bit of a hoarder when it comes to like personal like I I used to have all of my credentials from Right, yes. every Super Bowl and everything like hanging behind me and I I'm I've only worked in media for like 6 years. But my boyfriend was like put those away. Like this is stupid. And I'm like fine, but I kept them. Like I'm not going to throw them away. It's cool. So Mike does that as well. When, when, when I was at Mike's place in, in, in Connecticut, he has them all hanging up somewhere as well. So it, it is a cool thing to hang on to. That, that's something fun. I mean, I stopped doing it because this last Super Bowl, I think it was my 27th. Again, because I'm old. <laughs> you know, you just can't keep that much stuff somewhere. It's just going to yeah. get in the way. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you'll, wait till you accumulate. Yeah, the streamlining can be very um, cathartic for sure. Uh, but, but sometimes you look at stuff that you're getting rid of and you're like, Oh, what a great memory, uh, Mm -hmm. that was. Uh, but I know you made some memories, unfortunately, not at the Miami Grand Prix, which we'll talk about. You had to ditch that. We always get on people when they have a wedding in the fall during football season. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it is May, you know, it is end of April and May. That is kind of wedding season. So I guess while it took you out of Miami away from the, the Grand Prix, I guess you can't really fault people for having a wedding in May. No, certainly not. I mean, I am I am looking ahead on the calendar to the next wedding that I'm going to in the fall, and it is the same day as Notre Dame Clemson at oh. Clemson. So I am devastated about that one. But yeah, you can't blame someone for getting married in May and, and not knowing when you know the Miami Grand Prix is. So I missed the Miami Grand Prix completely. Didn't get to go to like even a practice session, nothing, because I, I had to travel essentially all weekend. But I will say, Mike, this was a big Notre Dame wedding. Bride and groom both went to Notre Dame. Okay. And at one point, I think I may have saved the wedding from near disaster. Because really? They played the alma mater at the end of the wedding ceremony, like in the church. Right. And the the guy who was doing like the guitar playing and singing, he played like the opening note. And then the whole group, like the whole crowd was kind of supposed to join in. And not everyone at the wedding knows the Notre Dame alma mater. A lot of the guests did and like four of the bridesmaids and most of the groomsmen. But like, let's be honest, the groomsmen aren't about to start belting out the alma mater, which by the way, has a very low key change at the end. So me and like these four Notre Dame girls carried the alma mater for the bride and groom so that it didn't kind of just die after the guy played the opening note and then just stopped playing his guitar. And I, I, I patted myself on the back afterwards because I was like, that could have been so awkward. That could have been disastrous, that. yeah. That, yeah. that could have been very uncomfortable. And you're right, there is the change now at the end. So the sons deep. and daughters, right? Oh, no, that's the fight song. Oh, the, that's the, the fight song. The change I'm talking ta- about is like, it's like, it gets really deep. It's like, 
are do- like loyal, strong, and true. Like my voice doesn't go that <laughs> the deep that deep. You, you and I'm hit trying the low to. Note, huh? <laughs> I can't hit the low note, and I'm trying to sing it really loud. We were like me and these three other Notre Dame grads were all like trying to sing it loud so people would join in, you know. It, and yeah, my voice did not go near low enough to sound remotely uh, on key, but I think we saved it. So, so you guys saved all, the day. All good. So yeah. that means you guys were in church and you were hammered, right? No, not at all. I mean, the groomsmen, I can't speak for them because right. there were drinks on the bus on the way to the church. Right. But I think that like the bridesmaids, we kept it together because you got to walk down the aisle in, you know, five inch heels. And by the way, Mike, we didn't talk about this last week, but I recently had a birthday and I am already suffering the consequences of turning a year older. I was just minding my own business Saturday, got my, my dress on, did my hair, my makeup, put on my shoes. I looked down all of a sudden, my knee was swollen like five times its normal size, just out of nowhere. And I was talking to my boyfriend and I'm like, I don't know what to do. My knee is swollen. And he's like, yeah, like you're just, you're, you're, you're a year older now. That's just what happens. Sometimes you wake up and, you know, you have a meniscus tear or whatever. So that was Jess, you're 28. 29 now. 29. Stop it. Just stop (laughs) it. I'm serious. I I mean, it was was a dilemma. I had to ice my knee before going. A dilemma at 29, physically. Yes. Wow. Mike, it was, it was, it was bad. Like, it, I, it, I couldn't walk for a few minutes, and then I had to ice it, make like make it numb, take three Advil right before I walked down the aisle. It was what caused oof. this? I have no idea. I have no idea. Just you being old, huh? Yes. That's oh what, my that's what god! Would I love to be twenty nine again? And here you are getting old and crickety at twenty nine. <laughs> I am. I'm telling you. Wow. All right. Before we get to F one, who are these monsters? Monsters that are getting married the weekend of Notre Dame Clemson. First, are they Notre Dame people? And second, how do you get married in the fall during football? I know. And no, they're not Notre Dame people. They're my boyfriend. It's like my boyfriend's best friend from college, and they didn't go to a football school. So there's really nothing I can even say about it. It just is – it's mind-boggling to me that I'm going to four weddings in this calendar year – and two of them happened to be on the two biggest sporting events that I wanted to attend this year. So what so, are you going to do? Let me ask, has your boyfriend Lee, has mm-hmm. he at any point said, Jess, you don't have to go? No. <laughs> really? No, no not, not, not a one. And not I a- should also mention this wedding is also on his actual birthday. So he also like, you know, he has a reason to complain and he's like, oh, it'll be fun. And I'm like, okay, but what if I fly from the wedding to, to Clemson, you know, try to make it for the, no, it's not, it's not going to Does happen. he know you went to Clemson and then went to Notre Dame? You I went so. to both these schools I know. and he, he hasn't even given you. Now, I don't know. So let me, let me, if he listens to this, he's going to hear me say this. He will, he will listen to He it. should give you the option. So, <laughs> if he now, if after he listens to this, he is guilted into giving you an option, will you take it? I don't think so. I mean, if it were not as close of a friend, I think I would. 
But it's like a like he's gonna be in the wedding party. He's doing the bachelor party. Well, you know what? He's gonna it's be busy then. You could just say, "Listen, that's hon, true. You're busy. You might not miss me. I, I'm gonna be alone over here, you know, and I don't want you worrying that's about a good me point. because you have you have obligations. You right. have obligations. I don't want you worrying about me during your obligations. So why don't I just remove myself from the situation and go have a great time? You make a good point, Lee. If you're listening, which you are. Think yeah. about it. See, he's going to feel guilted into this now. I doubt it. He, I, I'm, he, I'm he doesn't easily get really anything. I, I'm really surprised he, he hasn't given you the option. Because from what I've learned in the, in the dating stage is you do everything you can to make the person you're dating happy. And this, this option would have made you. You may not have taken it, but I think, I think he should have offered it. I think, I think, and I don't know Lee very well, I'm going to say this was a mistake on his part. <laughs> well, let's leave it at that. And see yes, what yes. We'll, we'll leave it at that and we'll wait to, to see uh, wh- where it unfolds to. So you were at the, and this wedding was in Baltimore, right? Is that where you were? Yeah. Yeah, you were in Baltimore. Crab cakes and football, baby. Yes. While, while there was racing going on in Miami, the Grand Prix down there, which I, which I heard they're thinking of moving tonight. They're, yes, I saw that also because right, right? the temperature is so freaking yeah. hot and they – can't really move it to any other time of the year because of the other things that happen at the Hard Rock Stadium. They have the Miami Open there. They have, obviously, Dolphins games there. And then there's already obligations on the Formula One calendar. So if they're going to have it in May, which they intend to do um, based on, like, the event schedule, um, it's really freaking hot. And and this year they got a little lucky that it dumped rain Saturday night and cooled down the track a little bit. But Last year was the first year, and I was there, and I nearly passed out like yeah. 15 times. Just for, just standing in the sun for five minutes was like exhausting. It's so hot. It, it's hot. Listen, my last year was with the Dolphins, and practicing down there is horrific yeah, in, in, in that humidity. How is Verstappen, Max Verstappen, making it all look so easy? Starts in the ninth slot and ends up winning this race. Now, he's the dominant guy now. And listen, there have been other dominant racers before, not that Lewis Hamilton being the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've seen this before, but he's he's almost making it look too easy now. Yeah, and Christian Horner, the team principal for Red Bull, said after the race, what happened to the Mercedes and the Ferrari? Like, where are they? Which is so, you know, insulting because it, it's true. Like, these cars just don't have what it takes to keep up with the Red Bull. And the Aston Martin is much closer right Right. now, probably has a little bit of pace ahead of the Mercedes and the Ferrari. And Fernando Alonso finished on the podium this weekend in third behind Verstappen and Perez. But it is true. I have have read that Mercedes intends to upgrade their car, um, like the package on their car at Imola, which is the next race, the Emilia-Romana Grand Prix. Um, so they are hoping to have some, uh, you know, advantages after that. But Total Wolf, the Mercedes team principal, said that this car is a nasty bit of work. So he is not feeling confident in it. There's been some internal changes at Mercedes because of the, the way that the car has not performed. He just says it's basically this car is a mess. So they're already probably going to be looking ahead to next year and seeing how they can restart. It's amazing how they've fallen off. I mean, it, yeah. it, it really is. And how Aston Martin has picked up. Alonzo, what's his fourth time on the podium this season? He's racing well. And, and just, I, I, I just find it hard to believe that you could fall off so much when they've tried to make it even, right? With the new rules yeah. from a couple yeah. of years ago, they're trying to make everything even. And to, for Mercedes to be this bad really is kind of shocking to me. 
Yeah, and it's it's not so much that like they're all the other cars are bad, although there are certainly things that aren't working. Um, it's also just the fact that the Red Bull is extremely fast, and Verstappen is essentially unstoppable on these tracks. When he, especially when he has DRS, he's just that much right. faster than the other drivers, um, and he's an incredible driver. So there's a little bit of both things happening, and and then you know there was a regulation change last year and a cost cap put in, but right. all of the development and research and money that. Red Bull put into designing these cars in the years up to that, um, which in some for some teams was, you know, is and was more than they were putting into theirs. Like that research and engineering doesn't disappear. You still have the residual effect of all the work you've put into it up until that point. So it's, you know, a lot of in a lot of ways, this is kind of what Formula One is. There are teams that have stretches of dominance fall off, teams that have stretches of dominance fall off a bit. And like you said, there was you know, an eight year span where that was Lewis Hamilton's right. car and he right. was the driver. And now it looks like it's Max Verstappen and Red Bull. And we'll see how long that lasts. Wasn't last, didn't last year, somebody go over the cap because of catering. Was that what it was? Red, that was Red Bull. Yeah. And they got a little slap on the wrist. They got right. a fine and they got 10% of their, uh, you know, testing taken away the time that they can do, you know, testing preseason. There's a whole, you know, we don't have to go down the specifications of all of that, but um, it'll be interesting to see when the report comes out this year, if anyone went over the cost cap last year um, and what the consequences of that will be, because that was a, a, an ordeal to say the least when that happened last year. The other thing, I, I like some of the things surrounding it and, and it seems some of the drivers were not happy with the intros. What was it? What was it? LL, LL Cool J. Doing the it intros was, or something, right? Yes. And, and what, 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 what are the issues the drivers <laughs> having with all this? Okay, so it's not just the drivers. This I think is I think this is so funny. So Miami wants to do everything Miami, right? Like Miami is a city of of spectacle, and they want to make every Formula One as a entity wants to make every race like a mini Super Bowl. So they had these driver intros where LL Cool J announced each driver one by one. So there's 20 drivers. Right, so as you right. can imagine, it took a good chunk of time. In, in front and of the Miami Dolphin cheerleaders, by the way. Just so in front of know. the Miami yeah. Dolphin cheerleaders, in front of a orchestra that was being conducted, air quotes, by Will I Am, because yes. I don't think he was actually conducting the orchestra. Because well, he, he wrote a song called The Formula, yes. right, for, for, this, for this occasion. Yeah. Exactly. Like, this is the thing. They did all of this stuff with all these celebrities, right. and, like, Vin Diesel was there, and Michelle Rodriguez, and they did a whole Fast 10 promo thing. And they put so much star power. Tom Cruise was there. There's so much star power at this race. And so they want to make it unique and special and American. And what Americans find, you know, cool, maybe is not what British people or other Formula One fans find cool. I saw a bajillion comments on Twitter calling it extremely cringe. That was what I kept seeing. Like, oh my God, this is so cringe. I didn't really find it cringy. I found it like a bit extra over the top probably unnecessary but yes the driver said that they did not like having to stand out there in the heat for 20 minutes before the race doing nothing waiting for these intros to happen and then be over um lewis hamilton said he was fine with it he he actually you know is an admirer of ll cool j and will i am so i think that was he had a different perspective on it but um, it was very interesting the way it was received by different groups of fans because as Formula One becomes more and more of a presence, has more of a presence in America, you're going to see more things that the old yeah. Formula One fans, especially the non-American ones, are like, ew, why are they doing that? That's cringe. Well, I, I think the good, the good thing is, is while the drivers don't like it, they understand it. 
Like Lando Nor- Norris said, none of the drivers like it, but it's not for us at the end of the day. Um, Alex Albon said, uh, it's the show. We're, we're in the show right. business now. So exactly. while they don't like it, they understand it. It's the way it's kind of got, it's all a production now. So sorry you missed it while you were at the production of a wedding uh, in Baltimore. Uh, but uh, I lo- love talking at F1. Let's see if Max Verstappen gets challenged at all uh, for the championship this year. So we'll keep discussing that. But uh, coming up next, we uh, we go to hockey and a lot to talk about the hockey playoffs and the emergence of a 17-year-old whose goal is to buy his parents a house. And he is going to be able to do that. That's coming up. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. We are now welcoming on Sarah Sivian, who is a host of the Too Many Men podcast, and she's an NHL expert, so we brought her in because Mike and I are not NHL experts, and it's the middle of the NHL playoffs. So, Sarah, I want to ask you all about that, but first, I want to go back a few weeks ago when you guaranteed the Bruins were going to win the Stanley Cup on the Levitard <laughs> show. How has that worked out for you? Well, you know what? I have to hand it to the Panthers for doing the biggest upset in NHL history, which I... I have referenced that before. I still, looking back on it now, I still think it's the biggest upset in NHL history. Just the way this team was the best team in regular season NHL history with points. That's so hard to do in this era. So this was just like an epic collapse. I just, I'm still a little speechless about it, but now you're looking at what the Panthers are doing in round two and they make me look a little less stupid for saying that. (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about that. So they're up 3-0 against the Maple Leaves. Um, I don't know. I I certainly didn't expect them to come out this strong against that team in the second round. What is going on there? Is this just an epic collapse by the Maple Leaves, or are the Panthers really just this good? I think it goes back to a stat from the first round that... The Panthers capitalized on nine turnovers like within five seconds of the puck being turned over in the zone. So it's like, yes, other teams are making these stupid mistakes, but the Panthers are capitalizing on them and making it count. And that kind of it factor is just so essential in the playoffs. And then you've got Kachuk guarantee. I mean, I'm guaranteeing things and being wrong. He's guaranteeing things and being right. Like he said, okay, we're going to go to game seven. And then he had a huge goal and made it happen and I think round two is just kind of the same good vibes the desperation there's a lot to be said about a chip on the shoulder and then you have the Leafs who got the monkey off their back in round one and now it's kind of like they're just happy to be here man every time we mention Kachuk I I, I feel old because I got to know his dad you know when he was in in (laughs) Arizona you know and I was in Arizona was on the Coyotes uh, geez, oh man, do I feel old? But it, it's a, it, and I'm going to feel real old when we start talking about Connor Bedard in a little bit, the kid who's <laughs> 17 year old, the presumptive number one pick by the Blackhawks. So Toronto, actually, them going on, it's maybe it does make Boston feel better, you know, beating the team that had the best regular season record and now blanking Toronto the way they are. But overall, your thoughts on which team looks the strongest as we're approaching the conference finals? 
I'm kind of rolling with the Seattle Kraken. I just think their depth is outstanding, and it really helps when they don't have to really play a matchup game because you don't know who's going to be the hero each night. I just think the way they're scoring up and down the lineup, Philip Grubauer has been great in net, and nobody really sees them coming. They just kind of have all those key elements there and it's pretty exciting and fun to watch but on the other hand I do think the Panthers I mean look at them how can you argue against that I think a Panthers Kraken cup final would be fun Mike and I were saying last week that we want to jump on the Kraken bandwagon yeah. just because we, we like their logo so much can you give us a little more like info storylines of the Kraken like favorite players to watch that sort of thing there's a lot of chip on the shoulder guys there. They picked up some people on like the waiver wire and now they've had like all these overtime goals. That's happened to multiple people they've picked up on waivers. Um, they got Ron Francis, who used to be the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, who's very stubborn in his ways. Like he doesn't really go for trades at the deadline and he barely did that with the Kraken this season and it's really worked out for him. He's, a, he's really good at drafting. He drafted this kid, Morgan Geeky, who's on the team, who has a really great personality. You should... Look into him. He's always says stuff like, you can't out pizza the hot. I don't know. But he, he brings the vibes. He brings the vibes. And he, Francis drafted him in Carolina and then picked him up on the Kraken. So that's been kind of special. There's a really good, I have to say, Allison Lucan is the broadcaster there. John Forsland, JT Brown. There are so many good, entertaining broadcasters to watch there too. So they kind of have everything. They got the Climate Pledge Arena, which is amazing. So, so give us give us some historical kind of context for the Kraken and the Golden Knights are both leading their series if they were to both win and meet in the conference finals. Yeah, that that would be actually there's no history, so you could really hop on that band. That's another reason to hop on the bandwagon is that you're basically there from the beginning of their histories. But yeah, I don't I don't think that's ever happened in NHL history, right? Where it's two the two newest expansion teams are in the playoffs together that, this soon. I should mention before I jump on another team's bandwagon that I grew up a Chicago Blackhawks fan and they won the draft lottery, the first pick in the draft lottery. And I, I know that the hockey fans that are not Chicago Blackhawks fans are already saying that this is a frozen envelope situation. So what was your analysis of, of them winning the first pick and the player that they drafted in with that first pick, who is uh, supposedly a generational hockey talent? Let me just say, I know the broadcast messed up, but they did pick right before the broadcast. It wasn't live. It is not rigged. The NHL is not smart enough of a league to be rigged. <laughs> I do not think that is possible. Like, no matter what the cynics are saying, it's not rigged. But the Blackhawks have the third highest probability of getting the first overall pick, and sometimes an upset happens. And last time that happened to them, they, got, they went from 5-1 to one to get Patrick Kane. And Connor Bedard is... He might be the next Patrick Kane for the Blackhawks. He is one of the – everybody says he's the most touted prospect since Connor McDavid. He scored so many goals in the CHL, um, the most since maybe the 90s. And he is like a, a number one center immediately. Like you can slot him in. My biggest concern with the Blackhawks here is how is Davidson going to – form a team around him now that there's literally no roster like nobody's there mm -hmm. just like okay who is he going to trade for because he should really start the rebuild now I mean I know it's a little shocking I saw him on the broadcast just stunned <laughs> he was like I don't even know what to say right now whatever so he's gonna have to start figuring that out like today <laughs> 
So, I, I listen, Anaheim and Columbus have to be sick, right? Anaheim had the, the best odds yeah. to have the number one pick, and Columbus had the second best. Chicago with third uh, ends up being the top. And this kid, Bedard, he's like 5'10", but they say he may not even be 5'10". He looks like he's 10 years old. Yeah. But everybody talks about Everyone the incredible – Everyone looks like that to you when you're <laughs> well, that, in your that, 60s. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, age shaming. Okay, sorry. that's where sorry. we're going. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I get it. I get it. But it's but true. I love the, I know, I know it is, and I and I love you for saying it Aww. every single podcast. Uh, I love the breakdown of this kid. Uh, the team he plays for is located on the broad plains of Saskatchewan, where the average winter temperature <laughs> hovers around twelve degrees Fahrenheit. I love the breakdown. Like He's Chicago. originally some, from, yeah, exactly. He's originally some Van- Vancouver, <laughs> but but in the World Juniors, he is like breaking like Gretzky, Yager, Lindros record. So. Give us a little more of a thumbnail on on what this kid is about and the strengths he has. He scores a ton of goals, even when his shooting percentage isn't high, if that makes sense. Like, he just has that eye for the net where he can score a goal against anybody. I, I think that's his biggest strength, but I also think just his overall game, it's really hard. I think the way we talk about prospects has become so convoluted that everybody wants to compare somebody to somebody else, right? right? right. I don't think he's as fast as McDavid. I think he has better hands, though. I think it's really tough to contextualize it until he just comes up and plays. But the the way he's going to – I promise you he's going to immediately come into the lineup, be the first-line center, and – fit right into the NHL. So that's the best way I can describe it. And then you've got guys like Jack Hughes, who it took a few years first overall. It's not going to take Bedard a few years. So I, I'm, I'm wondering in this, and, and I love the story about him. The family was going to take a trip to Hawaii for a week, and he balked at it because he's like, I can't go away from hockey for a week. You know, you don't associate Hawaii and hockey a whole lot. But they compromised. He brought his hockey stuff, and he had the stick and his blades and was blading around Hawaii with his stick just so he could get his, his drills in. I mean, I guess it's paying off because you're going to be the number one, number one pick in the draft. And, and this is where, like we saw it in basketball uh, when before the one and done, when we had 18-year-olds going right into the NBA and playing. Doesn't happen in the NFL. you got to have three years uh, out of high school. How is it, and, and I know it's a rarity where we're talking 17, 18-year-old eight year gets put right into the mix, and everybody says that's what this kid is going to do. How difficult is that in the NHL? I'm just not as up on that of dropping a teenager right in and starting to play right away. Okay, I think it kind of helps that they go away for junior to play. So right. they, they'll play in these places when they're like 15 and they get acclimated to kind of being on their own and learning all the, the ropes in that way. But that being said, I think we've been really spoiled by like the Austin Matthews and uh, the Connor McDavid's of our generation. So now recently there's been guys like Jack Hughes who have needed a few years and Alex Lafreniere from the Rangers has not acclimated well in his first few years since 2020 being drafted first overall. I think it's kind of a crapshoot, but I think this league is probably the highest success rate of teens, the teen kids dropping in and playing well, but it's only the first overall picks or sometimes the top five. But I don't know. We'd have to do an analysis on how quickly that's changing right now because skill and speed are now prominent in the league over kind of playing that rough style of hockey, and that's really benefited younger kids. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, Connor McDavid, who you mentioned, he's still only 26, but it feels like he has been around yeah. for a while. Yes. And, <laughs> Especially um, on that Oilers team. Exactly. Let free him. 
<laughs> right. I was going to say the Oilers are down 2-1 to the Knights right now in the series. Uh, the, the Golden Knights won 5-1 on Monday night. So what is the outlook there for the Oilers in this, in this uh, round of the playoffs? And does McDavid need to make it to a Stanley Cup Finals at this point in his career to kind of solidify himself as the pick that was promised for the Oilers? He does. And what I love about him is he's the first one to say that. He knows the pressure is on and maybe he can finally request a trade if they collapse again this year because it's like he does everything he could possibly do and then you have Leon Dreisaitl doing everything he could possibly do and then their defense just collapses every single year and I can't take it anymore and I'm not I don't even like this team or like I'm not him. I don't I can't even imagine how he's feeling about it. I'm just so sick of it because I think it's so bad for hockey. Like we need the stars in the cup finals well at least he doesn't feel as bad as Shohei Otani who, who doesn't even get to the playoffs you know with the Angels That's you know at least kind of gets brutal. to the playoffs. so maybe two guys that are looking uh, looking looking to head elsewhere um so as as this year is is finishing up and, and goes on what's you know we keep talking about not not so much CBAs but give us an overall kind of where the game is now of hockey always considered the fourth major and sometimes even less than that has it grown since it's gotten back to ESPN and more eyes can see it? Because when they, I was at ESPN when it was there, and we covered it all the time. Then it went away, and you had trouble finding it, quite honestly. <laughs> now it's I, back at ESPN, and they have shows again. So is it, is it back on a, on a good roll? I think ESPN, and I have to plug TNT because I, I work there too, but I, I think they're – surging personality into it and obviously you have the name recognition with ESPN I think now they're doing numbers and I know like kind of the TV rating numbers can be so misleading sometimes but they have had like highs of all time this year so I think that obviously the broadcasting situations have something to do with it for sure but I think Snoop Dogg is looking to buy the Ottawa Senators and he said something really interesting that why isn't Connor McDavid on commercials? Why aren't these stars on commercials? And I think there needs to be more of a marketing individual aspect. And I think it's kind of the way the stars of this league don't get paid nearly on the same level as like an NFL star, an NBA star. And I do think that has an impact on the popularity of the sport. I think we need the cap ceiling to raise, first of all, and players should have a little more agency in what they get to do. And I think that would go a long way and have like you can't have a number one, number two, number three sports league without having famous stars, you know? Do you think that that's more of like um like NHL culture like keeping them held back from like doing personal endorsements or is that more of like players decisions because hockey is famously like you don't talk about yourself in a post-game interview everything's about the team that sort of thing yeah we before me as they call yeah. it that's exactly I think that's a huge part of it and just the insulated bubble that they live in especially when from their 15 and they go to the juniors and the random the the plains of Saskatchewan or whatever they said yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. Connor Bedard you can already tell he has media training and he's so boring and I just want him to yep. say something fun and I yep. it, it annoys me that we're going like through no this one again but I also get it <laughs> Yeah, we need more Morgan Geekies in the world. But I do think you got Jack Hughes is hilarious. You have Trevor Zegers coming up, who has been a little controversial for things he said on the ice, but at the same time, he's doing his lacrosse goals and making it fun and having personality. I think there needs to be more of that, and that kind of just comes in with Gen Z a little bit more, I think. But Connor Bedard is definitely giving boomer hockey players. So that's be <laughs> when will we see the hockey stars of this generation doing TikTok dances, or is that already happening? Ha. 
Um, if you look at the Bruins TikTok, the amazing woman named Elaine is running it, and it's kind of like a secret account where they don't ever post it on other, um, they don't cross streams with the other smart social medias, but they are like secretly having a blast on TikTok, the Bruins. So check that out there. And they've grown, this account has like 500,000 followers out from out of nowhere. So it just goes to show if you let players have a little more personality, they will be rewarded on social and that like nothing bad is going to happen except you think... might lose in the first round of the panthers yeah <laughs> you know what you're right <laughs> so, this, this never is, mind <laughs> we are in the era of branding yourself because you can but we're also talking about a sport where that is such a no-no and you're brought up on that at an early age that, that players just aren't used to doing that and you're right they all get media training and and i'll say it from the other side from someone who was a former player I love boring. Now, being in the media, I'll run with it if somebody says something crazy, but give me boring. That's what I want my, my, my men and women to say in the locker rooms uh, all the time. Quick note on Snoop. Ryan Reynolds is also part of a group that, that is thinking about that and why I think Snoop will get it. I looked into it. Weed is legal in Ottawa. So <laughs> you, you can expect him to be at some of the games. So, so one thing I, I, I'd like to ask you, Sarah, is, Baseball has, has tweaked rules occasionally. This is the big one with the pitch clock. Football, every year we talk about tweaking some rules here or there to make it better for the audience, whether TV or in person. Hockey, we've always talked about as a tough TV game. I go all the way back, and I don't know if you guys remember, when Fox had it and they put the blue tail on the puck so you could try and follow the puck better. Unfortunately, it looked like the puck was in the fourth row of the stands at times. So, but they were trying <laughs> If you could do something today for the sport that would, you think, help the game become more popular to fans, do you, do you have anything in mind like that? Oh, that's a great question. Do you mean uh, the, with the way we broadcast it? Or no, with... no, probably the way. It, maybe if you think there should be some rule tweaks like we've seen in baseball and football and basketball, do you think anything like that in hockey could, could help uh, the popularity? Well, it's already the fastest game, I think. So there's yeah. no need for a shot clock or anything like that whatsoever. I think maybe five, three on three overtime in the regular season until there's a winner. No shootouts anymore because that is just uh, the Hurricanes head coach, Rod Brindamore, and I was covering them. He used to call it the party point, and he would get so annoyed that a game would be won over just kind of a skills competition. It's kind of like if every time um, – basketball went to overtime they started doing like a dunk contest which yeah. actually that would be way more fun but the, the yeah. shootout it just kind of I would like to see overtime in hockey is one of the most beautiful things in sport and I would just love to see more of that why not right and what about um fewer winter classics in warm climates <laughs> you know what um I was talking to a player a few years ago and I asked him for this poll I was writing do you think there are too many winter classics? And he goes, in Chicago, yes. So, <laughs> I have a picture next to me of the Blackhawks winter classic game at Notre Dame Stadium, by the way. Yes, so, yes. No comment. Yeah, but, but no comment. I like those when it snows, but I don't know if the yeah. players do. Because, you know, I, I've never been a skater to know the ice, if it's warm, what it does to the ice, or if it's snowing, what it does to the ice. They always end up loving it because it's just a cool experience to be in. I was at the winter classic at Fenway um, a few months ago, and I have to say – uh, that was my first Winter Classic I ever covered, and it was wonderful. I've been a cynic about it, too, because, okay, we get it. And you don't want to <laughs> watch it on TV. But when you're there, just the little details, it's really cool in a league that, like, needs to do more cool things. But I do think the stadium series is a bit overkill. It's like, okay, how many outdoor games are we having per year? 
All right, so we're at the midway point in the second round. You already have, unfortunately, had one failed prediction with the Bruins winning the Cup. Where are you at now in terms of who you see playing in the Stanley Cup final? Oh, I think the Kraken would be a good one just because yes. they, just the depth, right? Our team, Mike. Because we've, there's been like 15 individual goal scorers, which you just don't see every day in the Stanley Cup final. And that could have changed in the last game, but that was before the last game. But then I think the Hurricanes are the favorites now. Um, I don't know how I feel about that just because they don't have three of their stars, especially Andrei Svechnikov, who would be the game-breaker for them. And they have kind of three goalies that none of them are great. <laughs> and they just, like, keep rotating in and out, so I'm not sure. But you know what? I think we're sleeping on the Panthers for no reason at this point. They literally are 3-0 above the Leafs, and the Leafs yep. are an, an exceptional team. And as Matt Kachuk said, their award for beating the best team was playing the second-best team, and here they are again handling that. So why wouldn't they ha- – I mean, I guess it's paced by Bobrovsky – Right? Is he going to be playoff Bob? He has been. So until he's not, I am not going to count them out. Well, it, it was my fault knowing we were doing this interview that I didn't put my Kraken shirt on. I ordered one <laughs> right away. I think it's. I think in all sports, it's one of the coolest names out there. My Kraken. So yeah, I love. I love the Kraken. I just absolutely I love, love it. So uh, we will see. I'm sure Sarah will talk to you again. We appreciate uh, a few moments and uh, hopefully. You know, at some point you visit the plains of Saskatchewan where the winter temperature averages 12 degrees and uh, bring your winter coat. All that for a mediocre interview. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. (laughs) Okay, Mike, before we go, we need to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs and something that I saw on Twitter before I saw in its full context, which is this uh, Jokic situation yeah. with the Denver Nuggets. So I saw that there was an altercation with a fan and all of like, this fan was flopping and all this stuff. And then like, you know, I was at a wedding all weekend, so I didn't see the game. A day later, I'm like reading that this is the Suns owner, the new owner of the Suns. So Jokic is not getting uh, suspended for it. He did get fined, I believe. What was your take on everything that happened with that whole situation uh, with Denver and Phoenix? Well, Ishbia, the, the new owner of the Suns, has been the owner for like a hot second. So I, I didn't, I don't think anybody, even when we were watching it on TV, knew that it was him until we were told he was the announcer. And th- this was kind of under the basket, off to the left, if you're facing the basket in the corner there. And Ishbia, who was a walk on for Tom Izzo at Michigan State. So. I, I say that because he knows how to flop. So he had the ball <laughs> in his hand, and Jokic ran over there. It was Denver's possession, and he tried to grab the ball to start the possession, to give it to the ref to start the possession. And Ishbia, the, the Suns owner, wasn't giving it up. And they had a, t- a kind of a tug of war, and the ball flew in the air, and then Jokic kind of gave the chicken wing, hit Ishbia right in the chest with an elbow, and right. you would have think Ishbia got hit by a car. He went flying back into his seat, threw his arms up. It was a great flop. He should have got called on the flop. Now, there was another fan in there that reached over and kind of grabbed or touched Jokic. He got tossed. He Uh got tossed. Uh, Ishbia did not because, as I've always said, the owner owns the ball and everything, and he can take his ball and go home. (laughs) And literally, that's what Matt was thinking of doing. So the big question was going to be, Jess, was Jokic going to get suspended for making contact with a fan? And it was all up to Adam Silver. It was under his purview of what was going to happen. 
And he only he got he got fined twenty five thousand dollars, which he could find in his seat cushions yeah. on his couch. And and to his credit, Matt Ishbia, the owner of the Suns, this game happened Sunday. So Monday morning, he tweeted out the only emphasis should be on the game. Uh, Jokic should not be fined or should not be suspended. Leave him. In. Basically, he said all is cool with a fine, and that's it. Let's keep the focus on the game and get ready for Game Five. So that was pretty cool. So and I'm glad they didn't suspend him because it's a good series now, sitting at 2-2 with Phoenix winning the last game. So uh, Jokic not suspended, $25,000 fine, which would be pretty easy for him to pay. So onward we go. And we have a couple of others as the taping of this. The games were, were the other night, both up 3-1. You have Miami beat the Knicks. They're up 3-1 as an 8 seed. And L.A. beat Golden State. They're up 3-1 as a 7 seed. This is the first year, Jess, that teams who were in the play-in to make it into the playoffs made it into the playoffs, and now both of them are one win away from being in their respective conference finals. Adam Silver has to be ecstatic at this, that the play-in has worked like this. Yeah, I mean, how fun would it be? I Well, I don't think it's likely. How fun would it be to see LeBron versus the Heat in, in a final uh, series yeah. too? Yeah, that would be incredible. I, I doubt that will happen because both have a really tough road ahead uh, in terms of the conference finals if they do finish out this, the series. But um, do you think there's any hope for the Warriors in, in Game 5 to win that? I, I know it's back in the Bay Area, yeah, yeah. and they're better at home, yeah. but... Um, I, what do you what can you even say well, about so, LeBron and Anthony Davis the way that they're playing? And really, it's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis defensively, and this game he had to get out of the paint a little bit because one of the adjustments Golden State made is they put three guards on the court, smaller lineup, and they pulled because in the first three games the Lakers had 19 blocks, AD had 11 of them, so they pulled him basically out of the paint by having a smaller lineup, and the Lakers only had one block. It was Le- LeBron had one of those sweeping blocks of a Seth Curry shot. But, and Golden State was up 12 late in the third quarter, so they were moving along. So credit to the Lakers coming back. And this is the one thing I always like, uh, Jess, is we know the stars. We talk about the stars all the time, right? All the time. They get the love, and they should. But who's that next guy? Like, in in that game with Denver and Phoenix that had the whole Jokic thing, it was Mm -hmm. actually Landry Shamit for the Mm -hmm. Suns who had the big fourth quarter. And I'm sure, you know, the the casual fan is like, really, who is that? And in this game, you know, for the Lakers, it was Lonnie Walker. Lonnie yeah. Walker had 15 fourth quarter points. He's a guy that started the beginning of the season, got hurt, fell out of the rotation after all the, the trades that the Lakers made, didn't play in game one of this series, played in game two and three, and he scores four, 15 points in the fourth quarter. He was the catalyst for the Lakers winning this game, but you had a clay, not shooting. Well, he hasn't shot mm-hmm. well in the last couple of games. Steph mitten two missing two big shots at the end and a turnover and Draymond green with a turnover. Just the way golden state shoots. You can never count them out. They're going back home. And I wonder now that the Lakers are up three, one remember when the Lakers won game one in golden state, we all said game two in golden state, they're going to get smoked because they got home court back. They're going to, and they got smoked. I'm wondering if we're going to get a situation like that where they travel now to Golden State before they go back to L.A. and the Lakers struggle in this one because minutes, cumulative minutes, is going to have an effect on LeBron and A.D. 
Yeah, and then they have the opportunity to go back home and win it in six. So I'm with you. Um, I, I have more hope that, that they're going to make that into a series with you know a game six or potentially even seven um, than the Knicks and the Heat because, oof, I think that series is uh, tragically this, this is an a, end. amazing for <laughs> Miami. So they're looking to be go to the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last four years. But this is the interesting thing. Miami is the fourth eighth seed to win at least seven playoff games. The 99 Knicks won 12 and made it to the finals. The 2000, what was it, 11 Memphis team won seven, and the 2012 Philly team won seven. Well, Miami's already there, and they're looking good. They're looking like they're mm-hmm. going to be moving on. So uh, they have been, they have really been incredible. Uh, listen, the Knicks had their shot in this last game. Miami missed 12 of their first 15 shots in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks only made up like three points in that time. So give Miami credit for what they're doing. But how cool is it an A seed and a seven seed may make their respective conference finals. So and and we keep the big names alive in this thing. Yeah, and I will I will point out one of the one of the controversies of the discussion around this series has been I guess Jalen Rose said that it's tough for um New York players to come down to Miami and play because of the weather. And then Greeny doubled down on it on, on Get Up on Tuesday morning. Um, but I do want to point out, as someone who has recently traveled from Miami back to New York, back to Miami, the humidity, it does something to your sinuses. I'm not sure what it is, but I get what he's saying. Whenever I go in non-summer months back and forth from cold place to Miami, my body is like, what the hell's going on? And maybe, Mike, this has to do with the knee swelling. Maybe this is just Ah! a symptom of getting older. I'm not sure, but something weird happens whenever I'm going in and out of humidity to my sinuses. And I'm not, it's not like I'm sick because I feel fine, but I'm just like, I'm walking around sniffling. Like, what what the hell? My nose is running. This is disgusting. Maybe it's an age thing, but, you know, maybe it's a weather thing too. But it's not that cold in New York right now. I know, it was 75 on Monday, but it's like 100 in Miami, so it's like a 25. The humidity difference is vast. It's vast. And oh, by the way, they play indoors, even though I know it can feel more humid sometimes indoors. (laughs) I'm indoors right now, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go. I get it. On the initial line of hearing (laughs) that, you kind of go, God, that sounds ridiculous. But I get the thought process of it. It is is ridiculous. I played in the humidity, (laughs) but it was outside. We do play football outside. Uh, in Miami there. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was a little bit of a reach there, that that's, that's a reason you're giving uh, for the Knicks struggling. But, you know, what are you going to do? So we'll see where they go. The Denver and Phoenix series uh, is evened up uh, at a game apiece. So, and then you got the, the, the 76ers in Boston, which Embiid finally said that at the end of the last game, his knee started feeling it a little bit. So you wonder the cumulative effect on that as well. Uh, nice in so, Advil. It works. Yeah, yeah there you go. It's now interesting. I'm an expert. Both on so the taping of this is a day before the Heat in New York play, but also a day before the Panthers play Toronto. They can both Miami teams can oh, clinch on again, we're taping this on a Tuesday. It would be on Wednesday night. They could both clinch and move on to their respective conference finals. How cool if is that? If that happens, I'm taking Thursday off work. I'm I'm not going into the Levitard show. I can't I, I can't do it again, Mike. I, I don't blame you one bit, Jess. I don't blame you one bit. And and we are gonna as we close out here, we are going to stay on this whole wedding in the fall for the Notre Dame Clemson game and we're gonna see where this goes with Lee who is, has responsibilities in the wedding. You do not. It would actually be better if you weren't there to, to interrupt his things that he needs to do. 
So I'm, I'm working on it for this, this one for you, Jess. I'm going to get you to that Notre Dame-Clemson game. I appreciate you.